just uh, pray right now, uh, and then I'm going to call up some very special people. So, Father, thank you so much, God, that you breathed your breath into our lungs. Father, we thank you for each breath that we breathe. We know that we are fully sustained by you, in you, and through you. And, uh, and God, we thank you uh, for Rush. We thank you for all the youth and young adults uh, this weekend uh, that were just uh, having a, a ton of fun, but also, God, just being poured into. And God, we, we thank you for these life-changing moments of where we can come and we can declare you as our Lord and our Savior. So we thank you, God, and we pray, God, that, that those decisions that were made last night and uh, those recommitments, Father, would just... Would, they would just grow and flourish and that they would take every day as a chance, Lord God, to worship you and a chance to, to honor you. And Father, we thank you for that and we thank you that you are a loving Heavenly Father. And Lord, we too want to come every day and because uh, you are our firm foundation. And so we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for uh, a chance to be able to give with this offering. And, uh, and Lord, we just uh, thank you also for a time where we can hear your truth shared here in this place. And we thank you for all the churches in Kelowna just sh- spreading your gospel. Lord, we pray that it would go forth and multiply in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I uh, have the pleasure of introducing uh, to you, actually some of you may already know, uh, they've been a part of Willow Park for over uh, seven years. Uh, and it's uh, Pastor Tracy Bennett and uh, her lovely husband Pete. We're going to call them, come on up. And uh, they're going to be sharing with us today. And uh, they're uh, just fantastic uh, couple. and been really enjoying time getting to know them uh, over these past years. And, uh, and if you haven't and you don't know them, go say hi to them in the foyer after and uh, tap them on the shoulder. I'm sure they'd love to talk to you. But Pete, you want to? Hi. Um, thank you. Thanks, Steve. Um, you've probably seen Tracy a little more than you've seen me, but um, I have been here. And thank you for your welcome. Uh, we've been uh, in Kelowna for about seven years. Um, yes, that is a funny accent you can hear. You thought you got away with it. <laughs> Phil's not here. <laughs> Unlucky. Another strange accent for you to learn. Um, I'm not from Worcestershire. I'm from Yorkshire. God's own country. Um, Anyway, less of that. Um, We moved to Kelowna about seven years ago from the flatlands of England. Actually, we'd moved down to Cambridge where I was working as a uh, GP. uh, And Tracy was working in the uh, University of Cambridge, um, working in the Theological College there. And we decided that uh, we needed a change and felt called to come to Kelowna. Um, it's a very beautiful part of the world. It's a hardship to get cold here. Um, I'm working in Summerland as a, as a GP uh, still, and uh, Tracy is here on team. And we, were, we started off by going to uh, Willow Park South, where we were there from the moment we arrived till just September when we came here. We've been involved in, in various things um, and have uh, done the marriage course, which a number of you have done, which we continue to do. We're doing again this spring and have started to be involved in training uh, couples 
not training couples, mentoring couples as they prepare for, for their marriages. So that's exciting. So that's, that's a bit of who we are. We have three kids um, who are all over the place, um, two at college and university and one at school, and they're great fun. And you'll hear a bit about them today. Um, I'm just going to pray for Tracy as she brings some words to, to us. And uh, I would just pray that we'd all experience something of God's peace, because that's what this is about. We live in very busy worlds, and we just near, need to settle and to hear from him. So let's just, just pray. Father God, I thank you for this time. Thank you that we can come into your presence Thank you that you, through Jesus, have transformed our lives. You won that victory. But so much gets in the way of that. And I just ask that as we listen, that we would hear from you. That you would calm our minds. Allow us to hear your voice and to receive from you today that our lives may change. So just be with us now. Pray for Tracy as she brings your words. And thank you for this time. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. I think we should have you up here preaching. <laughs> you sound so good. Well, it's lovely to be here with you today. <clears throat> Such an honor and a privilege um, to be working in this church. And many of you I've gotten to know and I've gotten to meet individually and spent time with. Um, just a little bit about me. Um, so as Pete said and Pete explained over the last seven years since I've been here, I've actually been working as a clinical counselor. Um, I set up part of a team that set up Third Space uh, and another counselling centre down in South Okanagan. So I'm very active in terms of clinical work. Um, And as you know, from September onwards, I've been working here, felt very called to here to work as a pastor. But those two things are just part of what I do. Over the last 15 years, and I think it's really important for you to understand this, I've actually been working very closely with pastors, with priests and missionaries um, all over the world, actually. And part of my role that I started when I was actually at Cambridge University was to actually be involved in the preparation um, for sending these people, both men and women, out on complex mission all over the world. Many of you will be familiar with the word ISIS. And many of my, my missionaries, my priests, have been affected by it, those atrocities that we're seeing now in the decline, thankfully, at the moment. I also would be involved with them whilst they were actually out on mission, supporting them, helping them work through things, and also then in the debriefing when they came home. So, actually, this whole subject area of being still, of knowing God, of understanding his peace is vital to the health and recovery of people affected on mission. But it also applies to us all. It's a very important concept to understand. So I'm going to kick off just by reading um, a beautiful psalm, Psalm 46, and you can follow on either in your Bibles or you can see it on the screen. 
Okay, we're just going to take some time in the, in, in, in the word. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams made glad the city of God, the holy place where the most dwell, high dwells. God is with her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And for the purposes of today and the theme of today, be still, I want us just to think and ponder on verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. It's a really, really important part of that psalm. A very important part of the Lord's message because it fits hand in hand with the Lord's peace. Now, I don't know about you, but what do you think about? What comes into your mind when you think about your peaceful place? What makes you feel at peace, at rest? For me, I have three, three places. I usually come in threes. My first place is actually when I jump onto my speedboat, and I love, I love speed, right? I love speed. I actually took Pastor Phil and Michelle out in my speedboat, and it had a bit of engine trouble. So he's like, yeah, speedboat. It's a putt-putt boat. <laughs> I'm like, it's not a putt-putt boat. It's all fixed. But I love to get into my speedboat, and I love to put it on full blast. Pete always lets me drive. He's a good one. And we get into the middle of the lake, in the Okanagan Lake, and I turn off the engine, we turn off our phones, and we just relax. And you know, it's beautiful. Just that, that stillness, that quiet, the water lapping up on the boat side. And it's just a serene moment. It's really beautiful. Because we live in a crazy world, don't we? I'm busy. I have three children. I have a busy job. I have a busy husband. I have lots of friends. I have a great life. It's busy, busy. So it's nice to just be still. It's nice to feel that peace. My second place of peace when I just want to relax is actually to go up onto the ski hill. I love it up there. Now, I'm not a black skier, right? If I, if I start skiing black, black runs, that is not a place of peace. That is a place of prayer. Because <laughs> I am scared. I am scared trying to keep up with my children. Oh, my goodness. No, I like to go to the top of the mountain. I like to go when it's beautiful, bright, sunshiny day, a bluebird day, and you can see everything. It's crisp, you know, and the powder's all there. It's just beautiful, and I love, I love to get the, 
well, I try and aim for the first lift. It's normally the third. But, you know, I get up there on the third lift, and it's just, you see the snow goes. It's just how I picture heaven to be. But it needs to be warm. <laughs> I don't quite like that freezing cold, but it's just beautiful visually to look at and to ski through. My third place, my third place is actually being at home, at home with my family. I love my family. We're a very close family. We've got three children, as Pete said. My daughter's 13. My two boys are 18 and 20. And we have a lot of fun. In our functional moments, (laughs) we have a lot of fun. And we have a lot of humor. And it's just a place we can let go, and the outside world can just disappear for a while. Right? What is your place of peace? What makes you feel relaxed? You know, we've been hearing um, over the last three weeks, Pastor Phil has been preaching a brilliant sermon series. And I am really into this sermon series called Breathe. Because part of my job is to help people understand themselves. It's to enable people to check in with themselves, to check in with each other as family members, check in with friends. Are we healthy? Are we living this life the way in which we're meant to live? Because the Lord wants us to live a full life. He wants us to have the best we can have. He wants us to live in peace and freedom and to have that great understanding of his love. And that's why we've, we've listened and heard about the preaching on identity. What is your identity based on and in? Where are your foundations? Where does that sit? Is it with scripture? Is it with what the Lord's teaching is? And the second, second part of the sermon series was looking at repentance. Are we in alignment? Are we getting ourselves right with God? And the third was looking at family patterns. What behaviors do we have in our family? How's that affected us? How's that molded us? Are we functional? Do we need some, to do some work there? So it's very important. And this next phase This next bit of the sermon series is about being still and knowing that he is God and understanding his peace, which is so important. I think it's ironic, actually, that actually when Jesus was born, if you go to the scriptures, it talks about him being the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, and the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So right from when he was born, that's what he was known as. Those four concepts are very important to many people that I work with. It's really important for all of us here today. When we think about the culture in which we live, as a clinician, as a counsellor, as a social worker, and as a pastor, you know what? There's some worrying things that are going on in our culture. It says, it says in scripture, you know, we need to be in the world, but not of the world. But it's hard, isn't it? Because we live in Western culture. But Western culture is, is 
starting to cause issues for people. We are, sh we are seeing as professionals and as helping bodies quite a significant rise at the moment in mental health. Anxiety, depression, stress and suicide are on the rise. Now, of course, there is the argument that we're recognizing it more, which we are. And that's a good thing, right? Because that helps us understand ourselves. It helps us understand each other. But it is significantly on the rise. I, myself, as a single professional, and I do work in trauma, I attended 16 suicides in one year. That was last year. And that's amongst young people. 16. Some of those were affected by drugs, but the majority were suicides. Already this year, I've been involved in three complex deaths since January. That's just me as one professional. We live in a very, very changing culture. And we need to understand, and I need to understand, why on earth this is. Why are we seeing a rise in mental health issues? Why are we seeing a rise in, in stress? Stress, anxiety, depression, and suicide. It's very concerning. Now, when we look at all the research studies that are being done, and they are, because the governments are starting to pour money into this area at the moment, one of the reasons is we live in a society where it's so busy. It's so busy, and it causes pressure. And it can cause burnout, especially for our most fragile and vulnerable groups, young people, children. And we've got to switch into this. We've got to think about what are we teaching our children? We're going to start with children. What are we modeling as parents, as communities, to our young people and our children? We're actually modeling. We teach our kids very, very young in Western culture to be busy. We need to be doing lots of stuff. We need to be in clubs. We need to have everything structured. There's actually not a lot of time for free play for children anymore. They never get bored. Actually, do you know being bored is actually really good for children? It enables them to be creative. It's true. Look at the studies. I'm a bit of a nerd. I'm a bit of an academic at times, so I research into all these things. But I will not bore you with all the facts and figures. But it's true. So we structure our children. We ourselves, and I fall into this, I fall into this. We're busy. We're always busy. Someone asks to see me, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to check my diary for three weeks' time. I hate it, but it's just my reality. We've got to look at that because it's causing pressure. It's causing problems. It's poor role modeling for our children. So I think it's important to recognize what we're teaching ourselves and what culture is teaching us. You know, when I was um, 30 and when I was at Cambridge University working as a professor, I was, um, I was actually asked to go to New York, uh, which was very snazzy. I'd always wanted to go new to New York and ride in one of those yellow cabs, you know. It's like a bit Cagney and Lacey. I'm showing my age. I am only in my 40s, but I'm just saying... And I went to New York, and my job there was to go to Wall Street. And on Wall Street, um, as many of you are probably aware, you know, the levels of burnout were so super high. It was actually frightening people. 
They were like, the average when I went, so this was a little while ago, only a little while ago, when, we went, when I went to Wall Street, the average length of the, 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 the average worker was, um, it was around 16 months they would last from start to finish when they worked on Wall Street. Okay? Because when they got to Wall Street and worked for these big banks, it was very high pressure. Right? It was just immense. I've never seen anything like it. People would work like three all-nighters in a row. They would hardly eat. They would look dreadful, be pale and pasty. And they were achieving. They were producing the goods. They were performing. But at what cost? Okay, it would make their money. It would make their baseline money. It would make their name and help them in terms of their promotions. But at what cost? I remember working and analyzing. My job there was to analyze church. Could the church help this group of people? Could they actually help them? thrive and succeed? Could they improve the environment in which they lived and thrived? But it was hard. It was really difficult. And it was interesting that the church, actually, the mentors that were being trained to actually reach out on mission to Wall Street were actually people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Why? Because these young people these young people who were between the ages of 22 and 26 desperately needed relationship. They desperately needed connection. And do you know even now today, you'll have all heard of the mindfulness movement. What is that about? Where's that come from? It comes out of the deep desire for connection. And relationship. It comes out of a deep desire for peace. So it's very interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. I want to just show you my uh, my Nike trainers. Now I love I love to run. I love to run. So I, I generally run on my treadmill. So I like to keep fit. But you know what, I can only run in a certain way when I wear my Nike trainers, right? Because it teaches me on the adverts for Nike, you just do it. You just do it. I'm like, if I go for a run on my treadmill without my Nike attire, I don't run as well. My children will look at me and they'll say, Mom, seriously, I've got my Nike hat, my Nike t-shirt. My Nike pants, we call them shorts in England, pants. Even Nike socks I wear with my Nike shoes. But if I put all this on, it makes me believe that I can just do it and I can be bionic. I can run better. I think that I can run better. I feel much better when I have my Nike gear on. And I hopefully perform better a bit, bit out there, a bit sketchy. But you know, it helps me. And you know what? That's ironic in our world. Okay, think about it. Think about fashion. Think about, think about what our beliefs are based in. Because society and culture informs our belief system. Okay? And this is what we struggle with. We're in the world, but not of the world. But we're in the world, but we're not of the world. There's a tension that goes on. 
So there's demands and there's pressures on us. But you know, the truth is in this picture, the truth is we can never do enough. We can never be cool enough. We can never earn enough money. We can never reach that level that we're meant to reach. One of the other pressures that we struggle with when we think about demands and pressures. Okay, I've talked about busyness. What's the other main cause that's causing us problems, causing our children problems? Is over-connectivity. Okay. I love computers. I love the internet. I love social media. I'm a person that likes to be connected with people and know what's going on. I really am. But you know what? We've got a problem here. 30 years ago, we used to have the TV in our room, in our lounge, in our sitting room. And I can remember going to see my grandpa. And if I went in when the TV was on, he'd sit me down, give me a chocolate. Usually one that he'd frozen in the freezer, so it took me ages to eat it. But he did. But if anybody knocked on the door and came in that room when the TV was on, he'd be like, turn the TV off, rude manners. Right? And we'd focus on the person. Right? You're all nodding. You know what I'm talking about. The next thing to come into our home was actually the family computer. A big computer. Do you remember? They were massive. Probably not as invasive as the television, but it was there. Right? But it distracted us. And then the next thing in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, it's been mobile devices. Right? Screens that we can take everywhere. In fact, I can remember when I was a little girl sitting in the car thinking, wouldn't it be amazing if you could sit in the car and watch a movie on a screen, like of your very own, and look at it, we got it, right? It's, they are, it's cool. But you know what, this is causing problems in marriages, it's causing problems in anxiety, because people don't switch it off. It's causing problems in relationships, per se. And we've got to be careful. You know, in 10 more years' time, it'll be something else. Who knows what it's going to be? I can just about keep up with all this. (laughs) But you know what? We've got to be careful. There's a balance to this stuff. So we've got to check in. We've got to check in with this stuff, that it's not taking over us. I just want to give you a few, I'm, I'm going to give you a few statistics, but not too many, right? But did you know, this is important to understand, by the time we reach 40 years of age, half of us will have or will have had and will develop a mental health problem. About 17% of British Columbians, somewhere around 800,000 people, are experiencing a mental health illness or substance use issue today. That's quite high high stats, and that's just for BC. An estimated 84,000 children and youth in BC have a diagnosed mental health disorder. Okay, now these statistics are all taken from the Canadian Mental Health Association. You want to find out more, Google and look. Don't do it for too long. (laughs) An online poll... uh, Um, IPOS poll conducted in 2017 identified that there were three main groups at high risk. So these are the three groups that I work with quite quite often. 
Millennials, people aged between 20 and 35 years of age, 63% are struggling with mental health issues. Women, okay, women because it's so hard to be balancing everything at the moment with work and family, right? It's causing pressure, it's causing burnout, it's causing mental health issues. If you want to look at the figure, it's about 47% of women are struggling. And low-income Canadians. Suicide, according to recent studies, and this is from good sources, is the second leading death amongst young people between the ages of 15 and 24. And I can attest to that here. The first is accidents. That's too high. That is too high. And the mental health index that takes a I like a cross-section look at what's happening in our culture is showing a 35% rise in stress and hopelessness in the last two years. Okay, so that, that's not good. We have to wake up. So where's the Lord in this picture? How can the Lord help us? We started off reading scriptures about being still in the Lord, about his peace. We need to understand it more. We need to take time. We've read about Jesus being the Prince of Peace. It's there within us. You know, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. We're temples of the Holy Spirit. In the King James Version of the Bible, the actual concept and reference to peace is noted 429 times big part of who the Lord is and what he can offer us. I think it's really cool to understand sometimes different translations to certain meanings and certain words. You know, in the Hebrew, peace is defined as shalom, and it means calm and tranquility. In the Greek, it's called arene, And it means unity and accord. And just think about those two concepts of calm and tranquility, unity and accord. And think about that in relation to all that I've talked about. Busy, 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 frenetic, frenetic, burning out, causing mental health issues. And then look what the Lord can offer us. Are you in the world? And not of the world. Be in the world but not of the world. You've got a choice. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with God. This deep abiding peace between our hearts and our creator cannot be taken away. That's just scripture. That's just a tiny bit of scripture. There is so much scripture to support what I'm saying. And it's beautiful. You know, as you've been working through this sermon series, you know, you may have had things highlighted to yourself. You may feel that conviction of the Lord. Remember, the Lord only ever convicts. He never condemns you. Condemnation is kind of light of the world. It makes you feel guilty and terrible and hopeless. That's not what it's about. As we've been working through this sermon series, you might feel that conviction. It might be an addiction. It may be something in your family that you're not doing right. It may be just you personally are working too hard. Your balance is out. 
You're not spending enough time with the Lord. Your identity is not really authentic. It's not buried in the scriptures. It's not quite right. Okay, but the Lord will be nudging you. The Lord will be nudging you. And he's saying, do you want to stay on this wheel? Do you want to stay in this or do you want to get off? Because we all have a choice. He gives us free will. So if you're feeling that nudging, okay, I challenge you to step closer to him. I challenge you, if you need to, get a bit of help. I challenge you in your devotional time. And how practically can we make an effective change? Okay, so if you're in that place and you're thinking, yeah, my life is frenetic or I've got issues, you need to stop, first of, first of all. You need to stop very regularly. You need to disconnect. You need to turn off all your phones and devices or whatever you're involved in or switch the phone off from work, withdraw from work. You need downtime. How do you disconnect? How do you go to that chilled place? I've told you my three places. I go there and I just need a break. But sometimes I can't always go away to those places and I just have to be. Okay, but it's very important you do to keep your mental health nice and stable important for us all in the culture that we live within we need to model this to our children we need to model it to our family model it to our friends but it starts with us the next thing is you need to have personal time it's okay to have personal time it's one of the things i look at when i'm assessing somebody how is their life structured how are they living life have you got some hobbies have you got some sports especially for you Family time. Are you spending the right amount of time with family? Is that a good balance? Or is that too when you go in there frenetic? (laughs) Yeah? But it's good to check in. And you might be fine with some of these areas. But if you're not, then come on, do some work. Own it. It's important too to have regular breaks, actually. And they can be days out or they can be vacations or it can just be a break that you decide on somehow. It's good to down and get away. The next thing that's really important to do is to meditate on scripture. You know, reading your Bible. And I want us just now very quietly in our own space, in our own time, just to meditate on this beautiful song that I found for you. Okay, thank you.